Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Russell Nolte is a USA Today best-selling author who writes non-fiction as well as graphic novels, which he describes as weird books for weird people. As well as an author, he's also an inspirational speaker helping artists to build better creative careers. If you're thinking about writing your own book, then this is the episode for you, whether you're looking at going down the traditional publishing route or the self-publishing one. He really is a wealth of information. We thoroughly enjoyed our chat with Russell. He's just an all-round fun person to talk to. We hope you enjoy the show. Can we kick off with a question, just find out a little bit about your background and how you got started as a writer? Sure. So uh, it's quite a circuitous uh, route, but I will, uh, I'll pare it down. Uh, I never wanted to be a writer, but my mother told me that I was a writer when I was a kid. I recently found a bunch of uh, writings that I did when I was about 10, 11, 12, that I was on my paper that I like wrote for my paper when I was in high school and uh, realized that my mother was right. Uh, but I wanted to be an actor first and then a uh, cinematographer. So camera operator and then uh, a director. Uh, and it wasn't until I started working on film sets that I realized that the person with the real power, the only person who really could create something from scratch and didn't have to rely on other people was the writer. The director had to rely on a script, uh, camera operators had to rely on directors to hire them. Like I was constantly like looking for work and looking for scripts that were good or like trying to find something that was going. And uh, I decided that I would write my uh, my own movie. And so I had directed a couple of shorts. And uh, uh, in 2007, I was working as an executive producer at a television network, writing some scripts for them and producing some stuff for them. And, uh, and I uh, eventually uh, uh, wrote a movie uh, that turned into a web series that is on, uh, uh, on YouTube right now called Connections. Uh, it is, uh, it's quite okay. It's a little bit of okay. It's like nothing amazing, but like I think it's I think it's pretty good uh, for what it is. Uh, and from that, uh, the next year I got into a car accident and I couldn't direct or write. Uh, I couldn't direct or shoot or anything. I actually lost the uh, the the, the uh, camera operating company that I had because uh, I was in a neck brace for six months and all I could do was write. So I really, really started focusing on writing. And uh, later that year, I moved to LA to be a writer. And uh, that didn't pan out so well. But uh, during that time, my manager introduced me to comics and comics became my passion for a lot of years. Comics is the thing that really I broke through on. Um, And so uh, I write novels now, too. But the first passion for me was comics. So the first passion to make us was movies. And then I moved to comics. And now I've written uh, uh, 18 novels at my last count. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So tell us about your books, then. What kind of books are they? So my books, I've written a little bit of everything, but uh, the thing that I specialize in is monstrous mythology and magic. So mainly Greek, Roman and Judeo-Christian mythology. But I also uh, my my universe, my main universe called the Godsverse, uh, the the universe I have a couple of graphic novels in. And I'm in the currently writing my sixth novel uh, in that universe is uh, sort of what if all gods were real? They were just kind of dicks. And uh, so uh, it, it centers on a couple of, of, of women who, who, who take uh, control of their own destiny. And uh, yeah, that has tons of mythology. Uh, we start with Greek and Roman, then we move to sort of Norse and Egyptian. And the new book has uh, Hindu and a whole bunch of other mythologies in it as well. Uh, sort of sort of my creation myth and how we went from polytheism to monotheism. So are these the graphic novels or are these the actual novels themselves? These are sort of just writing. So the God's Verse Chronicles is two graphic novels and currently four uh, novels. I've written two additional novels, uh, but they are not out yet. What I generally do is I stockpile about 
uh, four, three to four novels, and then I run them on Kickstarter before running them, uh, before putting them uh, into uh, onto Amazon and the other platforms. So, do you partner with artists, or did you hire people, or is it something you do yourself? So, I actually have quite a few freelancers. Uh, I have some of my projects is up to 70 creators working for them. So I do anthologies and I, uh, I, I accept submissions from all sorts of people for that. And then I also do graphic novels and I work very closely with a artist or a team of artists for that. And then when it comes to novels, I have editors and proofreaders and cover artists that also work with me. So even on a novel where 95% of what I do is uh, is sort of mine, I still have a whole team of people who are checking me and double checking me. And then once the novel gets done, it goes to my wife for a final check and it goes to beta readers and arc readers and all sorts of other people. So uh, it's quite an operation, even if you're just like a writer writing for yourself. So where do you get inspiration for your books and not just for the story, but also for the characters? So this is sort of the question that I get at sort of the crux of, 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 of everything, right? It's sort of like, how do you, how, how do you get your ideas and how do you come up with a good idea? Right. Um, and it's hard for me to tell you how I come up with an idea. It's sort of like, how do you, how does someone be a nurse? At some point, it just is so innate and, and wrote to your job that you just have them. I can say that one of the things that I like to do is I keep a folder of all sorts of mediocre ideas, I guess, uh, or like ideas that I'm not super passionate about or ideas that sort of have a spark, but don't, but don't really, uh, don't really have a place in anything that I'm writing. And I like to go into that universe, uh, that folder, and then sort of smash ideas together. So that's where I really find my most unique ideas is I'm like, well, what if, what if we took this thriller and like this mythology and this fantasy part, and we just created all of this stuff together. And I think that for me, the thing that I'm really passionate about is uh, mixing a whole bunch of things together uh, and sort of creating my own thing out of it. And I do that by, 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 by sort of it, 10 ideas come together as one is sort of where I feel like, uh, like, uh, like, like an idea really takes shape is if I can sort of uh, Megazord or Voltron, a, 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 bo- a book together and, and it has legs because a series has to last for, you know, several books uh, the one I'm working on now, the secret project I've been working on for two years, uh, it has. It, I'm planning 16 novels, so it has to be quite deep and it has to have yeah. quite a, a lot of depth to it. Mm-hmm. And so I find that by sort of taking a lot of my influences, I can be interested in it for a long time. So when you have an initial idea, then how do you go from that to your completed books? Do your stories unfold as you write them or do you already have an ending in mind and work your way towards it? So I used to be so the, in writing. Uh, when, when you're a writer, you're either a plotter who who does an outline, or a pantser who sort of finds the book as as it comes. And I used to be a pantser, and I've written several books in that in that vein. But I find it just takes me too long. As a professional mm. writer, I have to write quite quickly, and yeah. so I need the outline because the outline tells me where I'm going, and I can go from a book taking a year to a book taking three weeks if I have an outline. Mm. In fact, last year I was writing the first book in this secret project series and I didn't have an outline at the beginning I was just going to like write it and figure it out as I went along and I found that a month two months went by and I only had 5,000 words and then I made an outline for the book and I went from 5,000 words to a complete book to my editor in about three weeks so uh, just for speed I feel like I need that plot outline but Uh, the way that I plot outline is I do a beat sheet. So for me, every I I, I have a word document and every thousand words uh, I, I put like one thousand, two thousand, three thousand, et cetera, et cetera, until the end of the book. Um, a book for me is usually sixty thousand words, but I make an eighty thousand word outline, seventy to eighty thousand words, because I know that I'm going to condense a lot of stuff together, and uh, then I allow myself to sort of hit the major beats, but play around with the, uh, with the, with the beats in between. So roughly every six to 10,000 words, there'll be a, a major beat that I have to hit. And I make sure that that I hit every time because that is sort of the linchpin of the story. 
But how I get to that beat and the next beat and the next beat, I let myself to sort of play around with and and move stuff around. And uh, and this book I'm writing right now, for instance, is a bear. Like the outline, uh, the outline and the final product are very different because I didn't quite know what I was what I wanted to tell. It's sort of the, the sort of like the end of this universe. And I didn't quite know how it was going to get there. So I put the outline out and I was like, that seems like like how the end universe will end. And I know how the book ends and I know sort of the major points. But the middle of the book, that's sort of like ooey gooey middle of the book uh, that that uh, everybody hates is just like very, very different than what I actually wrote on the page. And uh, several of the of the minor points uh, and so some of the characters' affiliations and allegiances have changed uh, quite a bit during the course of this book. Uh, and if I didn't have that outline, I think I would be stuck in many ways uh, and and kind of screwed. I probably would have spent days, if not a week, sort of just like stuck in limbo. And that outline allows me to at least have a guide of what I'm supposed to do next. And I refer to it a lot. And I say, okay, so... Uh, what does Okta doing next? And then I look at the sheet and I'm like, well, that's not really enough for a chapter. And maybe I'll put like two two beats together or three beats together, move some stuff around. And I say, okay, that kind of feels like a chapter and that's when I can start writing. But I at least have the sort of guide for myself. And it's very helpful, especially when you have deadlines of, you know, my editor expects a book on a day and I need to hit, you know, close to that day at least. Can I just ask what, sorry, what a beat is? Uh, so a beat would be like a a piece of the story. So Jack Jack goes to the Jack goes to the store would be a beat. Uh, so uh, it's sort of a uh, the the for me it's the essence of what a chapter is going to be, or like the essence of like what you're going to learn in each chapter. Right. Do you have um a number of words that you aim to do daily? Uh, 5,000 words is my normal count, but I have three different kinds of days. So for instance, we're recording on a promotion day for me, which means I'm writing no words today. Uh, I am, I'm, I'm going, this is the first, uh, podcast that I'm recording today. It's seven in the morning in LA and I'm going to go till about three today, uh, straight with very little break, uh, just doing uh, promotional and marketing materials, then I have a launch day where like I'm launching something new. And again, I'm not writing any words there, but I'm doing something something very important in that day. And then I have a writing day. And my goal is to time block the most important part of the day so that I don't have to do anything else except focus on that very important thing. And time blocking has become a very important part of my process. So can you tell us about your first publishing deal and what you learned from it? Oh my god! The first publishing deal—they're all, they've all. Every publisher I've ever signed has been horrible. So uh, the first publishing deal—I actually have an, an article on the complete creative that talks about that first publishing deal. But my first publishing deal was for my book Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter. Um, it was with a publisher who, um, put the book out like only digitally. He didn't do. He didn't. They didn't do any print run. And then they got the the the. the the dates wrong so like a book would come out in march and then may and then uh so how comics work is it comes out in issues like issue one issue two issue three issue four and they come out on like sort of a monthly schedule and if you break that monthly schedule it kind of destroys the flow of what you're trying to build and so this 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 publisher published on like march and in may and like july and august and like it was all over the place and at Mm. the end of it they're like well the book didn't sell very well well, the book didn't come out. And like when you told people their book was going to come out, it was supposed to come out in February. It didn't come out till March. And then the second issue dropped like two or three months later. So of course people aren't going to be there when you want them to be. So what I learned from that is like publishers are not infallible. And uh, most of them are going, not going to care about, no, no, none of them are going to care about your book as much as you. And if you want to, I, like if you want to, uh, to to do something right, you have to take agency and ownership of it, even if you have a publisher. But the main thing that it taught me was like, hey man, uh, 
I may not be able to be a good publisher, but I could at least be a bad publisher. If like being a publisher means <laughs> means like blowing your deadline, like I can blow my deadline. And that is really <laughs> the impetus to starting Wannabe Press was the idea that like, I don't know if I can do it well, but I know I can do it at least as poorly as it's being done to me right now. So how does your process differ from writing fiction to nonfiction books? Because you write both, don't you? I do. So nonfiction is actually really easy for me. Um, I can write maybe uh, 10,000 words a day in nonfiction or more. Oh, wow. Because there's a process. Like there mm. is a, here is what I'm trying to do in this chapter. Yeah. And uh, instead of having to sort of my make up what to do to get there, I just have to remember the process that I put together. And so uh, for me, nonfiction is uh, a, a great nonfiction book for instance, which uh, most, I think, sort of thought leadership kind of people or people in the self-help space or like coaches are like, they're going to eventually write a book. And I think it's really important. And the first thing that you have to kind of understand about a a nonfiction is what are the pillars of your process? So uh, the I have two nonfiction books. I really uh, the the first book I thought was going to be the only nonfiction book I ever wrote because it's sort of and, and, and doing it I learned the pillars of my process, which is how to build a creative career. So I have it broken into five pillars, making something great, the fundamentals of sales, how to build an audience from scratch, how to sell at live events, and how to uh, launch products successfully. And everything that I do in my entire, in, in the complete creative, which is the nonfiction wing of Wannabe Press, the sort of educational arm, everything that I do in my company uh, f- goes back to those fundamental five principles. And once you have those f- three to five principles, um, uh, you can then, your job is to sort of fill the bucket of each of those things, which is m- with as much stuff as possible. So as many things as I can think of to, uh, to build an audience from scratch. And because I've built tons of audiences from scratch, I can sort of win. O- I, I have a lot of information that I can write about that. And then I can winnow the process down to what I think is the most important part of that process. And I can do that for each of those principles. And a lot of nonfiction for me at the beginning was filling those buckets and then finding out what the essential component of each of them are. So like there's a chapter on social media, a chapter on building a website and a chapter on, you know, X, Y, and Z other thing. And uh, the other way to do this is sort of, if you have a process of, you know, how to build the audience from scratch and your entire book is about that one principle, you can just take it step by step and get a little more in depth. Uh, But I think for me, nonfiction is about, knowing yourself and the core of your brand and what you're trying to deliver, and then being able to concisely synthesize that to an audience. So how important is it to search the market for your book or and your niche before you actually start writing the book, whether that's fiction or nonfiction? Well, so I think it's really important, but uh, you, especially with fiction, so here's the thing that people think about uh, that, that people don't understand about fiction is that uh, you have to sell a, just a crap ton of copies in order to make a living as a fiction author because you're selling a 99 cent to 499 book. And in order to make five grand on that book, you have to sell, you know, if it's a dollar, 5,000, more than 5,000 copies because you're, you're getting 35 cents. If it's $5, you've got to sell you know, over a thousand copies. And that's a lot of copies to make $5,000. And so, you know, there are only so many niches that 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 can support that level of sales. Um, and so uh, you want to do your research and you want to make sure that when you're doing your research, you are looking at the covers that are selling, the blurbs that are selling, the genres that are selling, uh, and there's, it's very easy to do this on places like Amazon, also Nook, but I think Amazon has a better search function. You can just type in top 100 of whatever genre you want to write in, romance or mystery or thriller uh, or fantasy, whatever it is. And then there's sort of subcategories of what you're going to write of, 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 of each of those genres. And so if you type into Google top 100 um, Amazon 
fantasy, the first return should be like the top 100 fantasy books selling on Amazon right now. You'll be able to look through all of the top 100 and you're looking for other indie authors and kind of getting a sense of what they're the story's about, getting a sense of sort of uh, the the other the the categories so under fantasy you have urban fantasy epic fantasy dark fantasy um uh mythology fairy tales um uh, paranormal romance uh su- supernatural suspense there's a couple of like just big name big kind of genres that you can that you can dig into and you want to make sure that you can that that there's a robustness there that people are making a living doing it uh and 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 that you are going to have a very specific genre that you write in because it's very important as a fiction author that you have uh, like a back catalog of a bunch of books because people are going to read one book if they like it they'll go back and read a bunch in a series which is why you know you're going to make your most money in like a single series that is successful because uh, sort of, it's the 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 J.K. Rowling or Hunger Games or or uh, or Wheel of Time effect. Like it's the thing that people are going to be talking about and giving to other people and telling other people uh, about. And you are it's called a signature series, which is roughly a million word series. That's sort of going to be the signature thing that you're going to drive sales to basically forever. Uh, um, Mark Dawson has his Milton books. Uh, uh, James Patterson has his series, um, used to be possible to make a living doing standalone books. It's much more difficult to do that now. Um, so yeah, uh, the, to answer your question, it's very important to, to research, but also then to re and, and to understand the tropes of your genre and then to both, uh, deliver on that, those tropes, but also subvert them in a way that is new and exciting for you. For instance, my friend is a, uh, writes these romantic comedies with a body count. So they're kind of like romantic, uh, cozy mystery thriller, paranormal romance books. And they're, they're sort of like smashed together a bunch of genres in a way that is like both very much on genre and on brand, but also wholly different for her. Right. Okay. And I guess in you keeping people hanging, aren't you? So like you were saying about writing multiple books, I guess at the end of each one, you're leaving a sort of slight cliffhanger. Well, interestingly, the two most popular genres are romance and thriller. There's a ton under there, but romance and thriller. So thriller, also crime and mystery, uh, romance from paranormal romance to sweet romance to dark romance to like super sexy erotica. Uh, but like those are the two most important, the biggest genres. And when you're writing a series in them, uh, both of them necessitate the book ends at the end of the book. Oh. So, for instance, in romance, you cannot have your romance book unless there is a happily ever after or yeah. happily for now. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it is essential to the romance genre. It is like mm. the thing that the romance genre has. So mm. you must have it at the end of a book, which means the book has to end. Um, and the, and thriller is the same way or crime. Like you have to solve the mystery at the end of the book. So, um, while fantasy generally has more cliffhangers as the sci-fi, um, especially if it's like sort of a big ongoing world, the, uh, a, 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 a mystery novel or a thriller novel or a romance novel can be very, very, very successful as a series. And each one stands on its own. And oftentimes it's really nice to have a book that stands on its own because it means you have all sorts of different entry points into the series. You can, uh, when you're, when you're, when you're doing a long running serial book, which is sort of, but you have to read book one before book two, before book three, before book four, you have the only place you can bring someone in is book one. Uh, but if you have sort of a romance series, my friends have somewhat dozens, sometimes hundreds of, of books in these, in their romance series uh, with different couples each time, but sort of delivering on the same concept, like a Hallmark movie. Um, you know, like every Hallmark movie feels the same, but also ha- feels slightly different in the same way. And there's the comfort there. Uh, so they have hundreds of books in these series, and it means they can they can they can do hundreds of different promotions, and they can they can bring people into the series anywhere that they want. Whereas uh, series that have uh, strict starting and ending points, you know, you don't have that flexibility. So you've once mentioned um, starting small in your book, if you're a writer, rather than jumping into a full novel. So this is when you are a beginner writer. So can you explain then what you mean by that and how that can help someone get started? 
Yeah, so I think this is, uh, the concept, the, the main concept that I want to get across to young writers is to not make their dream project first. I think mm. they get destroyed by, by, um, by like, they're not good enough. Like, at, when you start doing anything, you suck at it. You know, I, when I, the first time I did a podcast uh, guest, I sucked at it. The first time I hosted my podcast, I sucked at it. The first time I wrote a book, I sucked. Like, you just like, at some point in your life, you were the worst person ever at the thing you want to do. And so it's really important that, you know, you're what, but you're going to, you're looking up to these big names in your, in your field. And so like, you might want to, you might be like, I love Stephen King books and I want to write the next Stephen King novel, but you just aren't equipped to, to write a Stephen King novel because you haven't written enough words. Hmm. So I like to tell people to like, don't even worry about writing that big uh, Dark Tower series. Like, write something small, write something even off genre that is not the genre you want to write in, but you like. So for instance, um, the first novel that I wrote is called Gumshoes, The Case of Madison's Father. It is a middle grade um, mystery, sort of like uh, Encyclopedia Brown meets CSI. So it is adorable, but it is not the genre that I wanted to write. It just happened to be something that I thought I could do well. And uh, uh, I, I think that my strength has always been structure and uh, not and, and middle grade fiction has great structure, but their prose is very terse and uh, the plots are often quite, um, quite simple, quite a bit simpler than YA or or uh, or adult books and then YA novels. And then my second book was a YA novel told all in blog posts, again, turning into a thing that I really enjoyed, which was blogging, which I'd done since 2007, and then being able to take blogging and marry that with structure. Mm -hmm. So I was very good at, uh, I didn't feel confident about writing a YA novel, but I knew I could write a blog post well. And so sort of turning into the skid level of your career, uh, where you are, what you think you can do well, and not trying to, to overexert yourself. It also, when you first get started, you kind of don't know what you like. So it's important to like play around and try different stuff, you know, uh, try to write uh, uh, short stories, try to write middle grade, try to write fantasy and thriller and sci-fi. And my books, uh, my God's Verse Chronicles, for instance, are like fantasy thrillers. They combine uh, all of the fast pacedness and, and twists and turns of a thriller, but they're in fantasy and they have mythology in them. So that's really the way that you're going to find your voice is sort of playing in these other genres, writing a lot and not being so beholden to the fact that you are not good enough to write that Stephen King novel or that big wheel in, of time series, because like you just aren't. Like, like, and if we can get past that idea that we have to be good or that we are going to be good at first, then we can actually do great stuff in the future. I just, the first time in my career felt two years ago that I was ready to write a long series. Um, I'd never, I'd always wanted to write sort of shorter stuff uh, because I just was scared of writing something long and having that much breadth of information and uh the first time and and now i've written uh my fantasy thriller series the gods verse chronicles where i i have to sort of keep the world going and i have to keep the world consistent has sort of taught me how to write a really good series and now i'm bringing that into the next book series but i don't think there's anything wrong with starting small and sort of growing over time and and growing into the the, the thing that you really want to do uh, and you can be a you can write really great stories that uh, that you know are not series. You can you can play and you can make great stuff before you make sort of your epic opus project. Uh, but it does take you sort of being self aware of where you are in your career. Are there ways of building an audience for your book while you're actually still writing it, particularly as a new writer? So there are couple of ways there are a bunch of ways that are helpful they all sort of require that you are a good writer already so mm. you know you don't want to be right you don't want to be sending your work out when it's subpar so i think there's two parts of a career any sort of creative career and the first is this idea of of, of play the school where you're doing the work whether that is art or writing or or podcasting where you're just kind of like 
you know, understanding that you're going to fail and you're, you're doing your first hundred episodes, you're doing whatever the thing is going to be. And you just, you understand, and you give yourself this sort of safe space to fail. But if you assume, if I'm going to assume that like, you are now a good writer and like, you know, your genre and you know what you want to put out and you know where you want your career to go, um, then yes, absolutely. So the first thing you want to do is sort of get involved in the other community of writers now, um, this is for a couple of reasons. One, writing is really hard and having a community of other writers is really like important just to keep you going. Um, but also those writers, especially if they're in your genre, are going to be able to help you find cover designers and all sorts of other people that you'll need for your own career. They'll also, you know, have their own little audiences and they'll give you some ways and, and that gives you some leverage into your own and, and into, you know, finding your first readers. So uh, there's three resources, although only two I really recommend. No, there's there's like four or five now, but the one I really recommend is Book Funnel, um, Book Funnel, Story Origin, Prolific Works. And uh, there's another one that just flew out of my head, but they all have these this ability to upload a book and then join group promotions so that you can uh, and, and offer your book for free in exchange for someone joining your mailing list. Now, I don't think this is an amazing way to get like your your uh, 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 a ton of people to like buy your book if you're giving it away for free, but it will seed you a little bit of an audience. It will give you uh, an arc team, you know, or beta reader team, people who can read your book, people who can get excited for your work. You will find some fans out of that, and then you can sort of expand from there. I find the hardest part for people is to sort of get the first people in their audience. If they can just get some people in their audience who are actually engaged, engaging with them and, and enjoying what they have to say, it's a whole lot easier. Um, and, and, and it's a whole lot more exciting. The problem is, you know, a lot of people don't reach out to those people that they, that they have on their list. They don't know what to, they don't know, they don't like do a good job of knowing, you know, what kind of person to even put on their list. They don't do a good job of putting their audience uh, uh, needs first and, and really building it and, and really building from there. Um, I do have a process for doing for building sort of an audience from scratch and finding your ideal audience if you're not there. But I'm assuming that if you've written a book and you're ready to sort of grow it, then the best way to do that is first to join these group promos. Again, you're not really looking for you're not going to get a, a ton of people who are going to like be your reader forever. Probably like like that 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 are going to buy books from you forever. You'll get a few of them, but what it will really give you is sort of a sounding board for a lot of your ideas. Um, and then uh, when you have that group of writers, you can sort of do cross promotions with them. You can do anthologies with them, and you can sort of grow your name there and then. And the more work that you then put out, you are going to sort of see that grow and grow and grow as your audience grows and grows and grows. The number one best thing that you can do is put out more work, though. Like that, the 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 best way to sell your last book is to put out your next book. So does an author, while they're writing the book, do they need a website or is social media and, and these uh, groups that you were talking about, is that enough? Well, I mean, I always think you need a home base. I mean, I want, I, I tell all authors that they should have a website because then when people search their name, uh, they will be able to find sort of their home base and they will be able to get, find a way to get people on their mailing list from their website. And then they will be able to, Put a through put a process through that introduces people to them in the most perfect way possible. So here's the problem with social media: is uh, if you're if you're expecting someone to find you on social media, they're going to find you any old way. Like they'll they might find you on a bad day. They might find you on a day where you're like uh, talking about protesting with Black Lives Matter. They might talk find you on a day where you like just ate a ham sandwich and you're talking about that. They might find, <laughs> you know, they might find you on the day that you just adopted a dog. You have no idea when they're going to yeah. find you. Um, and that might not be the the way that you want them to find you. Or that might be, not be a good representation of you as an author, but if you have a website, you can show them your brand right off top. You can, you, you can uh, get a, you, you can then have them opt into your email list and then that email list can introduce you in a way that you want to be introduced. And 
it can show your work off, it can show you off, and it can it can guide them through in a way that social media just can't. And I want to give people the best experience of who I am as an author. And that means that I want to have a website because I want them to not just see like the pictures of my dog. I want them to go to my website and then understand like people uh, that, you know, the writing style that I have and the books that I've written and the kind of place that I'm going to go and, you know, uh, get, be able to give them the kind of the, the, the free books that I think will lead them on the journey and best exemplify me as a writer in the future. Talking of showing off your work, how important do you think the title and cover of a book is and how do you decide on yours? Because I know that that alone can can I mean, I read a lot. But I can look at a book and I, the cover can put me off. It's funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the most important thing. Mm. Uh, so a cover is what people click on. Uh, a cover is what people will like start. So the, there's two super important. Well, there's three really important things. And uh, the first is the cover. The cover is what people click on. Uh, so if you're just searching through Amazon, you go, Ooh, that looks like something interesting. Like that's from the cover. Uh, the second thing they do is that they read the blurb, which is sort of the, you know, the description of the book to make, to see if it's something that they're interested in. Uh, and then they will, they will, they will, uh, they will, uh, either download a sample or look inside and see if that first couple chapters is good. And then they will purchase. So those are the three pieces that are critically important for you to get right when uh, when you're when you're doing your book and the cover doesn't just have to be good it has to be good and tell you what genre it is immediately so this is the thing that people don't really understand they think that they can hire a cover artist or get a pre-made cover and then uh and uh even if it's off brand then th people will buy it but um, with Amazon, especially, which is where you're going to be making most of your sales, uh, for the most part, almost everyone makes most of their sales in Amazon or Kobo or anywhere, all people have is that cover. So if they're looking for a cozy mystery with a witch in it, your book needs to scream cozy mystery with a witch if that's what it's about. The, the thing that people get wrong about the cover is that the cover has to sort of be exactly the character who is inside or it has to like uh has to be a scene from inside of the book or something what it has to do is call out the genre the ge the general things that are part of it that are good that are that are that are going that they can expect inside of the book and tell the person who is looking for a book like that in that genre that this is what you're going to get. If you pick up this book that's about a paranormal witch, you're going to get a paranormal witch uh, 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 solving a mystery. And uh, that if you can if you can put that clearly in the cover and then clearly say that in the blurb uh, of the book, then you are going to basically that then you're it's going to be way better than uh, than, than any other artistic cover. Or bad cover. You know, the, the cover is something that I spend a lot of time talking to creators about and, and, and dissuading them because it was a problem that I had at the beginning of my career as well. So how can you go about differentiating yourself as an author and, you know, and stand out from other authors? Well, I think you can do that a lot easier in comics. Um, in, 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 it, it's not the cover that's going to differentiate you. It's going to be the, the the subtle twist that you put on the genre that is yours. So, um, for instance, I write in mythology, and my books are, are have a voice that is very uh, unique to the genre while still being in service to that genre. Uh, and the way that you really stand out as an author is not through the cover. It's not through the blurb. Uh, it, it's a little bit through the blur because you want to discuss that you're in genre, but also give your unique hook and your unique hook and your unique voice is how you stand out, but you have to get bought first. And if you're not getting bought by the right people, you're not going to get the right reviews. I did know he's actually on your website. You write very differently, even on there, don't you? I try to write like I speak yeah. and like I write by my books. And so my, um, even when I'm, when I'm, doing a guest appearance like this or when I'm when I'm uh, when I'm writing nonfiction, I try and write all of it in sort of a similar voice to what you're going to get in my fiction work. You know, it's quite uh, terse. Um, it's full of stories. 
uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, it, 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 it like drives the point forward that I'm trying to make. There's not a lot of fluff in there. And that's exactly how I write as well. So my hope is that people will read that. And they'll see both the humor in the work, um, and then they'll they'll uh, they will uh, they'll be able to then be like, "There's humor. Uh, this is kind of the style that he writes in. Uh, it's mythology. It's fantasy. It's magic. It's monsters." And uh, I'm sold in that, and uh, that does also help sell books. So if you can just sort of be as as on brand as possible when you're writing. Um, uh, and then you are going to, to, to attract the right readers to read your work as well. Do you think that self-publishing is now like the best route for most writers or are there still benefits to traditional publishing? Well, here's the problem with self-publishing. 85% of, of, of books are still, are still bought in bookstores and libraries and, uh, independent publishing does not do a good job of getting you into bookstores and libraries. So you're missing out on 85% of the market by going independent. Now, that being said, uh, you know, uh, independent, uh, uh, have traditional publishing is quite hard because if you sign a contract today, your book likely won't come out for 18 months to two years. Wow. I did not so, know that. No. Yeah. It's quite, a, it's quite a, and that, and that assumes that like, yeah, it, it gets bought today, which it won't. You still mm. usually have to find an agent. That agent then has to go and shop the book around and that book has to find a publisher. And there's just like there's things that work really well in independent publishing. There's also things that work really well in uh, in traditional publishing. You know, you're probably never going to sell a million copies of a self-published book. And if you want to be Neil Gaiman, you know, you have to, you know, that means being having some brand awareness in the overall market, not just with readers, but just with humans overall. Mm. And so uh, there are those benefits, traditional publishing, but also you have to understand that like there are genres that traditional publishing really wants. And if you don't write in those genres, uh, you are probably going to be better self-publishing. What about crowdfunded books? I know that you've done that before. Do you have any tips for that? And do you think you need an audience, an established audience, in order to be successful? Uh, you absolutely have to bring a crowd to crowdfunding. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, if uh, what crowdfunding is really good at is if you bring 100 people, crowdfunding will also bring 100 people. So right. most of my campaigns, including the one that I'm running now, are roughly 50% new people, 50% people that I've already uh, had in my audience. Mm. And um, the nice thing about crowdfunding is that while Amazon will take somewhere between 30 and 65% of the cover price of a book uh, with crowdfunding, they usually take 5%. So you can, you can make sales with a much smaller audience. Uh, the book that I'm running now, uh, you know, we made 74, 70, about $7,500 still. Uh, and uh, out of, from 221 backers, we just ran one that was $31,000 uh, from 700 backers. So yeah. you don't have the option to do that really in, in, uh, in, 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 on Amazon uh, to like uh, up, up, uh, not upcharge, upsell your, you know, your higher priced things being written into the book or drawn into the book or have a special thanks in the book or adding, uh, adding special pins or, or, or other things or adding other books from the first book when someone buys the first book. There's all sorts of things you can do on crowdfunding to really sort of up, uh, up the price of what someone is paying um, per backer. For instance, our last one that did $31,000, we got this exclusive uh, Cthulhu pin that's like a bunch of blocks that say Cthulhu on them, which I'm holding right now in my hand. And it's lovely, but that's something that you can't do on Amazon. So there are all sorts of things that also uh, you work really well on, on crowdfunding, which don't work on Amazon and vice versa. So crowdfunding is very much about sort of the unique boutique experience and, uh, you know, exclusive covers or or special things that they can't get anywhere else are going to do really well on Kickstarter. But you're also not going to be getting 50,000 people to buy your book. Um, but when you're young, when you're when you're a new author, 
you know, you don't have 50,000 fans. Maybe you've got 100. Maybe you've got 20. The the beauty of crowdfunding is that while uh, Amazon does not give you the data of who bought your book, um, crowdfunding does. So every time I finish a campaign, I can download the backer list. I know exactly who bought, how much they bought for. Um, whether they and I can cross-reference that with previous campaigns and see if the their their uh their their money that they spend is going up or down or how much uh how many uh of my books that they've bought and you just can't do that with unless you're selling on your website anywhere else and the problem with your website is there's not a community of people that are looking at your website whereas crowdfunding has the advantage of a website and the advantage of other people looking to back who are not in your existing audience yet. Can we just go back to traditional publishing? Have you got any tips for someone who wants to pitch to a traditional publisher? I do. In fact, I have an an article on my website that is uh, all about how to uh, how to land a publishing deal. It literally takes you step by step by step by step of everything that you would have to know. But um the main thing that a uh, publisher is looking for is an audience. So they want to know that you, that they, I mean, they want to know that the book is good, but they also want to know that you like have a social media presence that like you're going to push the book, that you have a marketing plan that you, uh, that, that, you know, you're going to be worth their time uh, because, and, and, and an agent wants to know that as well. So they don't necessarily want to see that you've published a book. In fact, uh, one of the big things that traditional publishers want to do is break an author. So they want to they want to be the one to debut an author. And uh, agents also want to be able to like debut an author as well. So uh, so there is some benefit to not publishing a book before you get your publishing deal. Um, but uh, you do want to have people on a mailing list of some type or like have some sort of audience because that is definitely going to to help your uh, your pitch i'll tell you that for nonfiction, the goal you, you sell on a proposal so a couple of sample chapters and a proposal of what you're going to do whereas fiction you're writing a manuscript uh you need an agent before you can submit to any of the big houses some of the smaller houses will still um will still uh accept unsolicited material but if you want to play with harper collins or simon and schuster or Harlequin or any of the big uh, big names, they are going to want to uh, they're going to want uh, uh, you to have an agent first. So, and the other thing is, you know, they're, they're, the problem with traditional publishing is they are going to sign you to a three book deal, and if you don't earn out, which means you don't earn uh, more than the amount that they paid you in advance in those first three books, they are going to drop you. And then you are never going to write in that genre again for traditional publishing ever again. You are just that, that genre is dead to you. Oh so God. if you love, I've had people tell tell me that they wrote psychological thriller. Oh, sorry, uh, this person told me that she had a three book deal for a mystery, cozy mystery novel series, and her series didn't earn out. And her agent told her, "Well, like we have to literally rebrand you as a different kind of author because no one's going to give you another book series because you've already had your shot with uh, cozy mystery. And so that means that if you have a publishing deal, you're going to have to work really, really hard to earn out of that, uh, of that series, which means going to bookstores or when you can go to bookstores, calling bookstores and doing signings and all of that stuff, whatever you can do, to make sure that you do earn out of that first deal. So if you earn out of that first deal, then they'll give you another deal, which will be more lucrative. But if you don't, then you're kind of screwed uh, in that genre for the decided future. Wow. Well, you've you've written books, haven't you, um, to help creatives and authors. And also, I think there's a course, isn't there? That Can you tell us a little bit about that and where people can find them? Sure. So the book I wrote for authors is called How to Become a Successful Author. The uh, branding is uh, for my nonfiction uh, is not rocket science. It's it's literally meant to give you the thing that you're supposed that that you need to to uh, to uh, to 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 be successful. So it's everything that I've learned about sort of how to uh, how to write, market, and get in the right mindset to be a successful author. It's the second book in that series. The first is How to Become a Successful Creative. I highly recommend. Uh, they're great in pair. They had to build become a How to Build Your Creative Career book is sort of a general guideline. And then the uh, the How to Become a Successful Author really goes in deep on um, on on just authorship. 
And then I have a, a couple of courses for writers. If you want to learn how to write better, you can go to uh, thecompletecreative.com forward slash novel. I have a five-hour novel writing course uh, with, uh, with, um, with uh, video and, and uh, worksheets and all sorts of stuff. It's completely free at thecompletecreative.com forward slash novel to tell you everything that I, I've learned about writing a great novel. I also have a um, audience building course. We talked about audience building at thecompletecreative.com forward slash audience. It's a 20 minute webinar, a very quick, uh, very quick. And I'll give you all of the principles uh, about like how to build an audience from scratch. And, uh, and yeah, those are, and then I have uh, some paid courses as well, but I usually just tell people to like, try the free course first. Then if you like my writing style, I promise you that like, I have a lot more that I can teach you. But the biggest thing that 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 uh, that you can do is sort of find the guru or find the person that resonates with you. And I do a lot of work on 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 myself and my own teaching and my own speaking so that if you liked what you heard here today, you will very likely like what uh, what how I talk on my blog and in my books and in my courses. And your Uh, podcast as well. Of course, you've got a podcast, haven't you? I do. It's called The Complete Creative, and you're going to be on it pretty soon as well. (laughs) I can't wait. So so what is the best place overall to find you in wherever thing branches off of? RussellNulty.com is the easiest place. RussellNulty.com will give you, if you sign up for my mailing list there, it'll give you a bunch of resources. It'll give you the first chapter of... uh, of, um, of, uh, how to build your creative career for free and give you some of my work. Uh, if you like monsters, mythology and magic, like I, I'm, I'm, I spend a lot of time writing fantasy and, uh, I think that you're really going to enjoy, uh, uh, the God's verse chronicles. If you're a fantasy fan, especially if you like sort of fast paced fantasy that like keeps you guessing from beginning to end. Brilliant. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on and telling us all about that. It's been a fascinating chat. Really enjoyed it. And um, thanks so much for taking the time to chat to us. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's great. And we'll, we'll speak to you again soon. Wonderful. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. 